Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. And welcome to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and basis opinion. Today is the 15th of September, 2014. This is episode 95. I'm Scott Magnus, and I'm here with my big boy, my color commentator, Jake English. You can find us at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com on the Baltimore Sports Report Network at baltimoresportsreport.com slash network. You should also check us out on Miro, Stitcher, Double Twist. And I guess iTunes, but I would highly recommend Stitcher because uh, iTunes has a ton of issues right now with updating the, our podcast. Um, I'd also recommend checking us out on social media at facebook.com slash bvcast, Twitter, and Google+. You can follow us on Twitter at birdseyeviewbal. Um, you can also check us out at post-game shows. However, I don't think we're going to be on any post-game shows this week. We'll get to that later. Yeah. And uh, you should also check us out on our Amazon banner um, at the bottom of birdseyeviewbaltimore.com in order to give us our piddling amount of money between two to three cents on the dollar so please go to birdseyeviewbaltimore.com and buy your uh, uh insignificant items so that you can sponsor this podcast jake good times yeah yeah so with that are you ready to to jump into the drink of the week sure um my drink of the week this week is going to be a jack and coke Ah, a nice classic, uh, nice classic drink. My drink of the week is a tall glass of water, which was preceded by a rather large coffee. And if you know anything about me, uh, I'm not a coffee drinker, so I'm just barely hanging on to consciousness at this point. Is there a reason you didn't bring anything else to the, the house? I'm just trying to stay awake. I'm an old man. I was up late last night. I'm going to be up late again tomorrow. Do you want tonight. me to fire up the Keurig? No. I, I hate coffee. Move on. Okay. I'm, I'm drinking boring drinks this week. Okay. I've let I've let everyone down. I've let everyone down. All right. Well, if you let us down, let's go to the twat because I'm sure that will let us down even further. That always does raise my spirits. But can can we cheat this week? I guess so. I mean, we're not one to know to stick to the rules. I know it's this week on the Twitters, but I really want to go to something that we saw on Instagram this week, and that was Kevin Gosman who uh, tweets at Kevin or. Instagrams, I guess, at Kevin Gosman 12. It's a picture of his uniform for Sunday's game with the uh, the stars and stripes. And he said, uh, gotta love these jerseys we're wearing today. America, red, white, and blue. So let's, let's do this thing because you know how much I love the uniforms. What did you think of the uniforms, Scott? I thought they were okay. I mean, I like the Baltimore and the red, white, and blue, but the hats, again, the 4th of July hats, it's like, eh. Yeah, the 4th of July hat was an abomination. But yeah. uh, I like the fact that it was red, white, and blue um, underneath Baltimore. Again, I think that was a, a huge part of it. The other thing I thought was cool was that then the rest of it was just the regular uniform. 
you know? Yeah. I mean, I would have liked to have like firecrackers coming out of their stirrups, but you know. Okay. So I noticed the stirrups. This is terrible. I noticed the stirrups. They, they were not wearing the 1954 stirrups, which they've been wearing ever since the, uh, the 60th anniversary. I was like, what's the deal? What's the deal? And it took me to like literally the seventh inning before I was like, Oh, they're special uniforms. Yeah. Still, we're not supposed to be wearing the same one. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I thought the uniforms were cool once in a while. Uh, they do this kind of thing. I, I was down with it. I, I thought it was well done. Well, speaking about other apparel, um, Chris Maurer actually sent us over a picture from Sunday night's game of some interesting uh, apparel. Uh, you should be following Chris Maurer at MaurerFTW. Um, and he tweets to us in the Baltimore on saying, do you think this comes in the gift basket or in the gift bag? And uh, it's actually a sweatshirt with Derek Jeter in a throw across the diamond uh, position of you know, it's a real life picture on the back of a sweatshirt. Yeah, Jeets. Um, wow, that's really unfortunate. Um, I'm sure we could buy it for $89.99 from the MLB.com store. Um, let's see. Next on the tweets or the Twitters, uh, Suspended's Family Barbecue posted a great tweet this week, and it was uh, a picture of David Ortiz getting a fastball right down the middle of the plate with the bases loaded and the Orioles off four to one. And they posted every other year this would be a dinger, but this year it's a double play. Every O's fan knows exactly what I'm talking about. Well, I think we know what's happened to David Ortiz's power. Every last bit of it was drained into the bullpen phone at Camden Yards, and he's got nothing left with which to uh, muscle it out of the ballpark. I think they make an excellent point. There were several pitches in that series that you just could feel like, oh, this is going to be the time where it breaks, and never it never actually happened. So... I thought David Ortiz was sure they're going to hit a double or triple and tie that game up and um, never happened. So you didn't have faith. Shame on you, sir. Yeah. What can I say? I'm a, a eternal pessimist. All right. Next, I want to go ahead and, and throw a shout out to a friend of ours, uh, Dave uh, Be More Dave S. He is his Twitter account. And he uh, he tweeted out gracias to the person who bought my Raven Steelers tickets for one hundred and fifty dollars. $63 will be going directly to the House of Ruth, uh, Maryland. You know who you are. Look, Dave has uh, said that the, the way the whole Ray Rice thing went down has upset him, and he doesn't want to, he doesn't feel comfortable going to the games. He's going to sell his tickets and he's going to take whatever profit that comes from that and, and donate directly to a good cause that is relevant to what's going on. Hey, a lot of people have made a stink. We did it last week. What did I do to back up my rant? Nothing. What has Dave done? He's doing something that he feels is important, and I I think that that uh, that deserves some credit. Whether you agree with it or not, he's putting his money right where his mouth is. I like that. And I've donated sixty three dollars to the House of Ruth. Really? Yeah, because I bought Dave's tickets. Really? <laughs> no, not really. But I was trying to make a joke. Well, I got was really it? excited that maybe I was going to this. No, <laughs> no, no. It's just, um. Next part, this came out last night, Jake, while you were at the game, and um, it was probably the greatest moment on Twitter. So, you know, nothing can top this, in my opinion. All right, we're going to have a difference of opinion there, but please continue. Okay, the Orioles Spastics, upon the Orioles winning last night and going to a magic number three, posted a celebration of Orioles magic numbers relating to Mr. F himself in a photo montage and a song. And what quite honestly was the greatest moment in Twitter. It was the whole reason Twitter was invented. I'm I'm not sure that's quite what Twitter was all about, but it, it was. It was pretty good. It, Twitter was specifically invented so that um, the Spastics could go out there, post pictures of Ryan Flaherty, to song lyrics, and um, you know, just make us love magic numbers. So you know, good job for the Spastics. Keep doing what you're doing, and um, 
you know, plug up those microphones when you get a chance. All right, the next tweet we want to bring attention to. This is this is kind of a double whammy here. Um, the tweet we're going to bring up is uh, from Buster Olney, who tweets at Buster, Ol- uh, Buster underscore ESPN. No matter the circumstances of Chris Davis's PED test, long-standing denial of use followed by suspension undercuts a rep of all clean players. I suspect you and I will talk a little bit about this a, a little bit later, but I do want to use this as an example to uh, let everybody know uh, about the interview with Buster Only that is on Baltimore Sports Report. If you haven't heard it at this point, uh, we were lucky enough to get Buster on uh, to talk about Sunday Night Baseball, the Orioles, how far the Orioles can go in the playoffs, and what, if anything, Chris Davis's absence means to the team. So uh, go ahead to BaltimoreSportsReport.com and check that out. And then uh, maybe, Scott, we'll uh, we'll get into this Chris Davis thing later. What else you got for us? Um, there was also a post um, after the Chris Davis information came out and Harbaugh Talk basically said Chris Davis had been using amphetamines and was suspended for Adderall usage. And our friend Bo Gentile posted saying Gentile um, with 46 home runs in 1961 is still the only clean left-handed home run record for O's, just stating facts. Um, you know, I think this is getting to a dangerous situation um, about, you know, the use of Adderall and, you know, whether it, basically tarnishes records jake i think it's a good time for us to step away from the twitter and maybe go back and take a look at this situation with chris davis and let's go back for through this and see if we can make some sense of the whole situation Scott, as we heard this week, uh, Chris Davis has been suspended for 25 games on an amphetamine infraction, which has turned out to be Adderall. This has all sorts of implications, and let's just start with the most uh, most obvious one. This affects the Orioles and their playoff run to some extent, does it not? Absolutely. I mean, I know there's people on radio saying that, uh, you know, you've got a person hitting below the Mendoza line. But on honesty, you know, for the past few weeks, he's been hitting doubles and home runs. And that's the kind of star power that you want to have in the postseason, even if he's hitting below the Mendoza line. His Woba still puts him better than any other uh, option that the Orioles currently have on their bench. Let's also talk about the, the next thing, is that this negatively affects Davis's chances of getting that big payday in his free agent year. Am I overstating that, or, or is it a real possibility? Um, I think it's going to definitely affect his arbitration number if it's, you know, it, it's going to definitely affect his numbers in terms of arbitration, but also he's lost a ton of money this year um, on top of his Mendoza line average. And now it's going to be even worse because people are going to say, well, he always is going to be um, battling this uh, possible situation with Adderall as well. All right. The second, uh, second most important thing I, I think that this does is it, it tarnishes his 53 home run season. Mm-hmm. All right. Because it, it puts a drug, uh, suspension on his record. And it, it, frankly, I think it firmly places an asterisk on everything he accomplishes from here on out. See, I don't know if I can necessarily agree with that. That's come, going to come back to the Bojan Teal uh, tweet that we had earlier. 
Um, going through the information they had, you know, it, it suggests that he didn't have an exemption in 2013. He had no positive test for Adderall in 2013 that we know of. It's a possibility that the you have to get hit twice, so you have to test positive twice for Adderall. Um, it's possible, I guess, he got you know tested for it once in 2013, but um, I, like I said, it, it would have hit up with him throughout the majority of that season if that was the case and he was using it. So I don't think we can put an asterisk next to 2013, and I think in the future we can't put an asterisk on 2015. If so, then we should be putting an asterisk on Nelson Cruz's numbers this year as, as well. And I think that there are plenty of opposing fans that have already done that. And um, they have a big N and Y on their on their ball caps. <laughs> right. But, I mean, it's the same reason that we don't like Melky Cabrera, right? I really don't have an issue with Melky Cabrera. All right. maybe, I mean, I'm, maybe I'm a judgmental jerk. Yeah, I, mean, I just I don't have an issue with Melky Cabrera besides he's playing in Canada. There's another important aspect, and I think this is probably the most important, that probably isn't being given enough credence or serious consideration. And, and when you and I talked in the pre-show, I, I didn't really see it either. But I wanted uh, you to tell us a little bit about something that, that we should be thinking more about in terms of MLB athletes and, and addiction. Sure. So uh, Jason Stark had an uh, article on ESPN, and it was called A Problem That Hurts Davis and the Orioles. Um, and it's basically goes through, you know, Chris Davis's story and we are I've all gone through this, but really the point that I think is interesting is the, the point that he brings up is saying you have to have two of these to basically get popped for the 25 game suspension. So that means that Chris Davis went to the well and then he went to the well again. And again, he went to this knowing full well that he was going to be tested for it, but said, maybe I can get past it. He had his exemption in 2012 Honestly, if he didn't get popped in 2013 and now he's come back to him in 2014, it's a little concerning that he knew that he could get tested positive for this. And even when he tested positive for it and Major League Baseball said, hey, we caught you, he came back to it again and said, I'm going to still take it. So in the absence of all the common sense in the world, you're, you're saying that the fact that he got caught with his infraction is just another one of those signs of addiction that, that you're worried about as far as Chris Davis is concerned with the way this has played out. I, you know, I'm going to come back to um, whatchamacallit who plays on uh, the Angels. Um, what's his name? Um, Hamilton. Hamilton. Thank you. I mean, that's an individual that, again, got into a bad situation, got away from it for multiple years, and then slipped right back onto the wagon of, you know, making some bad choices. So addiction is a very tough thing to get away from. Yes, Chris Davis maybe had stopped using it. But again, when bad things started happening and people started criticizing him, he may have turned right back to it. Think back to 2013 last year when he was getting a lot of talk to PED. He merely went to Twitter and instantly deleted his Twitter account. I mean, that's just someone that just says, I don't really like to deal with the whole situation. And again, as soon as this came out on Friday, Twitter account instantly gone again. Um, it, it just screams of someone that is, has a very difficult time of hearing negative comments about himself and, um, you know, would come back and shelter himself and also look for his best possible way to prevent him from losing that acclaim or losing that ability to perform. And if he thought that Adderall could have helped him, it makes sense for him to constantly go back to the well, even though he knew it could risk um, him being suspended. Sure. And I want to be careful here because I, I don't think for a second that you or anybody else that's that's talking about this is trying to make an excuse for Chris Davis. I think something you're trying to highlight is the fact that there's probably there may be a problem here uh, for this guy, you know, maybe, um, and, and maybe for other major league baseball players as well, because as has been noted, there is a very high, 
uh, rate of Major League Baseball players who are using Adderall, both with an exemption and not, um, and much higher than the percentage of the general public. Sure. So um, the, the brief synopsis of this whole matter is SB Nation did an anonymous poll and um, I'm going to read this one quote. It says, I think the number, and this is from Major League Baseball player, it says, I think the number is probably about 10%, but that's not counting Adderall as a PAD. If you included guys who used Adderall, wow, that number would be through the roof. You know, the population demographic for ADD and ADHD in adults is about 5% of the population. It looks like right now in Major League Baseball with people that are actually using it, it's right around 10%. That's an extremely high number for a small sample size. Jake, it's entirely possible that, you know, Maybe Major League Baseball players are more predispositioned to it, but I find that highly unlikely. I I would agree with you. I I think that there are plenty of things about uh, what it takes to play Major League Baseball that are different from you and I experiences. I mean, I, I, you know, we've, we've read a lot about people saying, well, these guys have to, you know, be at their best in a very draining and physically active and mentally active, uh, activity in the evenings, you know, starting at seven o'clock when you and I are, are just, you know, cooling down. I don't really find that a compelling argument, uh, as you indicated. I think that this is either a case of, hey, we've got a problem here. People that are, that are, uh, you know, at risk or guys are trying to cheat. Well, and, or, or both. Yeah. And I'm going to come back to another quote that I have here. And this is from a professor of pharmacy at the Philadelphia College of Pharmacy. And he says, the anticipated benefit of Adderall is that performance and stamina can be enhanced, which I think everyone is like, well, it's the whole reason we would take Adderall. But, Sometimes individuals get into such a habit of using these medications that it can be quite a letdown when they stop using them. They feel compelled to continue to use the product. If Chris Davis it was in a situation earlier this year where he had the oblique injury and he felt like, oh, you know, my body's not responding the way I wanted to. I'm having a hard time getting the performance. I'm having a hard time focusing. I used to use Adderall back in Texas. I had a better ability to focus. You know, I was hitting, you know, at least better than I was now. I'm going to go back on that and just see what can happen. And then Major League Baseball said, oh, we caught you. You know, if Davis just like, I still got to keep taking it because, you know, it's eventually going to help and maybe I'll just get by and they won't notice. It, it's still stupid. And it's as simple as that. It was a stupid, stupid decision by him to do it. And it, it, that's as simple as that. We can try to make excuses, like you said, but we can't make excuses. This was a selfish decision and it looks poorly for him. It looks poorly for the Orioles organization. And it looks poorly for baseball and especially for individuals that will come out in the future again and say, I'm not using a drug. I'm not using a PED because you're going to constantly look at it. And this is the issue that we always have is, gosh, Chris Davis is hitting 53 home runs. I sure hope he's not doing anything bad because if he is, it's going to break a lot of people's hearts. Yeah, I, I think that using you know, using the phrase breaking hearts is exactly right. I, I think a lot of fans... Don't go breaking my heart. We should have we should have done a whole, don't go breaking my heart. We should have done a whole breaking my heart uh, yeah. songs uh, medley. I, I think one of the reasons this hurts me so bad is because I was a stark defender of Chris Davis. You know, during the whole accusation of, of PEDs. Oh, well, he must be on steroids. Look at him. Blah, blah, blah. I didn't think that was the case, and so you know, I went to the mattresses about it. I was like, no, absolutely not. Well, now it turns out that you know, steroids and amphetamines are not the same thing. But he has a drug suspension that is kind of offensive to fans who who went to battle for him on that front. Um, you know, in the, in the in the pre-show, you and I talked a little bit about the fact that I have a little bit of, unco- uh, of uh, lack, lack of comfort saying, 
you know, oh, well, it's, it's clear that, that uh, a, a player who uses a, a drug like this has an addiction problem. But I think it's an important thing that we need to bring up. Uh, I think you very well articulated the fact that we're not excuse making. Um, and that's not to say if somebody has a problem, then it's okay that they made a bad choice. I, I think you're spot on when you say that it's selfish. You know, it, it happened at the worst time. You know, the, the Orioles are now going to deal without him, uh, for the, uh, for the duration of the end of the season and, uh, going into the playoffs. And, and beyond that, it's a distraction and all these other things that, that go with it. But really, it, it comes down to, you know, Chris Davis is compelled, is driven to succeed. He knows he can succeed at the highest levels of this game, and it's not happening for him. And I think the the real issue here is how does he overcome that? I hope that he does not have you know medical issues that he has to overcome. Um, but at the same time, just the baseball is enough, isn't it? I mean, it's going to be tough for him to climb back to anywhere near where he was last season after this whole nonsense has happened with the suspension. I think there are people who will be constantly looking at him and saying, oh, he's off, you know, what's up with him? Is he ever going to have to take, uh, you know, why didn't he get this team exemption? Um, I don't know. It's a really bad situation. It just further exemplifies a very difficult situation with mental health, not just in Major League Baseball, but in this country. Um, and I think we are all very familiar about that. Um, in coming back to Mike Flanagan being, you know, severely depressed, you know, it's an individual that was constantly on television and I don't think anyone would have said, Oh, he's got a serious issue. You looked at him on a daily basis and said, man, that guy's got it made. You know, he worked for the Orioles and he goes into the boot TV booth. And I don't think we quite understood the anxiety and depression that was behind him. Um, and, and equally so I think it's just a, you know, a, a matter for the Orioles to constantly keep a look at and say, why are our players turning to this and why do they feel like they need to turn to this um, and maybe look again at, you know, psychological support. And I know the Orioles have it. Um, David McDuff is their uh, team psychiatrist for him. And he also works for the Orioles. Um, his name was actually brought up when Jake Arrieta was having some uh, mental issues in terms of going out to the mound for the fifth inning, I guess. Maybe they need to see whoever's uh, the running things over there in the Cubs. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but, um, it's like I said, it's a dangerous slope and we can't make these too big of assumptions, but it's a big problem for baseball and baseball is going to have to address it. Um, maybe this isn't the next generation of steroids and getting away from steroids. Maybe we just need to take a look at, you know, what we're putting in our bodies to basically help regulate our minds. The other thing from a societal standpoint is that we uh, as a society are far more concerned about the well-being of these players than at any time in the history of the game. I mean, imagine the guys that that, you know, Ty Cobb played with. If one of them were depressed and, you know, became a drunk or what have you, the, the public would be like, oh, yeah, that's another ball yeah, player that, that fell happens. apart. Yeah. We're, we're no longer satisfied with that. And I think that, you know, we demand the, the highest level of care for these guys because of the... It's also a uh, different situation, too, because, again, if you've got someone that has anxiety and depression, too, and this is not the situation with Chavis, of course, but... Um, you know, the constant scrutiny and the constant, you know, abhorrent things that are said on social media gets into a very dangerous territory. I mean, take a look at Adam Jones. He has one bad night and Baltimore fans are really willing to rip him apart at the pieces and say, how dare he says that? And, you know, it's like it's one bad night. Just get over it. I mean, everyone has a bad night. Absolutely. Let, let me ask you uh, two quick questions and then uh, then we we can uh, move on if, if you'd like. Do you think that any of this that happened with Chris Davis was magnified because it came directly on the heels, uh, from a social media standpoint of the other big news story in town. 
I don't think it was magnified. I think it was just uh, just another bad moment in the week. But I think if something would have came out, you know, the situation in Baltimore with uh, the football team didn't come out earlier that week, I just think the Orioles fans would have had the same reaction uh, of, what? you got to be kidding me. We're going to go through another thing where we just lost another key player. And uh, once the information came out with Adderall, it would have been like, you're an idiot. You shouldn't have done that. I, I Yes, I'll co-sign each bit of that. Uh, do you think that, this is uh, gets the same reaction if the Orioles are going through another terrible season where they're 30 games out at the end. I still think it's a big issue um, because, again, it's the major league home run leader from last year. Um, we've had numerous individuals that uh, have been suspended for using Adderall and stimulant use in major league baseball. And again, it's eh, he gets a 25 game suspension, a big deal. But this was Troy Patton. Right, exactly. This is top news story on major league baseball because, again, it links a home run hitter Tweet PED. And again, it's not a steroid. It's just a PED. And um, immediately everyone's going to say, well, that's the reason why he hit the home runs. Well, it's not the entire reason. It's also because he's got arms the size of uh, a redwood. So, um, you know, like I said, slippery slope. Let's not go down that path. All right. Well, I, I feel like you've... I feel like you've raised the level of discourse uh, here at Bird's Eye View to a level that, that, frankly, I'm uncomfortable with because you're using big words, you're making good logical points. Can we uh, can we take a step back and, and go back to me being dumb? Jake, let's get stupid. So, Jake, uh, Sunday Night Baseball, ESPN, we talked to Buster Olney. I had informed you last week that um, I was not going to go. I actually had sold my tickets to uh, you know, pay for some playoff tickets, and uh, I know you probably were a little disappointed about that. I'm an idiot. I, you know, you said it. You you said it on tape because I, I know I, I heard it later. We don't use tapes. <laughs> but at some point later in the week, I was like, "Wait a minute! What? You're not going to the game on Sunday?" Hold up, one second. I got to go change the tape really quickly. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I flipped it. Go ahead. <laughs> somehow I spaced. Off the on record that. just turned over. One second. <laughs> so, somehow I spaced on that, and so I came back midweek, and I was like, "Oh crap! That means I'm probably going to be surrounded by Yankees fans." And you know what? I was surrounded by, by Yankees, Yankees fans. fans. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know the section we sit in too. It is primary Yankees territory in terms of, you know, the upper deck is not the place for Yankees fans more times than not, but the lower bowl is premium Yankees territory because you want to be sitting in that lower bowl so you can just stand up and, you know, block the whole row so no one can see it and say, Derek, Derek, I love you. Eric! I'm so glad that you brought up two very important things. Things are they're near and dear to my heart this week. And I'm going to let's take it one at a time. First, is it a culture thing that we know how to use our seats here in Baltimore? Because there were a lot of Yankees fans there that they it, not just when when Derek Jeter was being celebrated, who would stand through the inning um, for no reason. Is that a thing? And I just didn't know it. I, it must be because we were at a game too, and it, it was it wasn't a Yankees fan, but there was an Ohio State fan that had come for the Ohio State Navy game, and every single time he ordered a beer, he would stand up. And unfortunately, it was very similar to the Red Sox incident. It was a <laughs> very large man, and I thought to myself, if you're that fat, 
You do not need to get up. This is the reason people come to you to give you beer is so you don't have to get your fat ass off the seat. I love that you're referring to it as the Red Sox incident. <laughs> it's the Red Sox incident. <laughs> All right. So we've talked about the uh, the standing problem. Now let's... Would you like me to call it ground zero? No. Jeez. <laughs> now let's talk about the uh, the main event. So you had Derek Jeter's final appearance at Cannon Yards. It was Baltimore's uh, chance to get one last look at a future Hall of Famer. Can I make a confession? You clap for him. No. Okay. No, I did not. I don't hate Derek Jeter. Okay. I, I think he's a very, very, very good baseball player. And I think he is a, a legit Hall of Famer. I think that if he played for any other team, I would have enjoyed watching him play in in the era in which he did. So I don't I don't have anything against Derek Jeter. That having been said, that caveat being placed, <laughs> I'm tired of the celebration that is Derek Jeter. And, you know... I think he's tired of it. Good for him. Yeah. We did this with Cal Ripken. So, you know, I'm not going to pretend for a second that this is unique to the New York Yankees and their treatment of Mariano Rivera and Derek Jeter and all that stuff. But th- that's enough of me opining. What about you? Um, yeah, No, I, I, we talked about this last week, and this was my, my ugly for the last week, which was Derek Jeter Day. And I, I think it's ugly, but at the same point, I think it's kind of sentimental and apropos for baseball to take a moment out of pregame ceremonies, which are normally contrived and absolutely worthless, and just give a brief tip of the cap for someone that basically has spent his entire career working for, you know, especially one team. It's a similar, you know, notion of giving the gold watch upon retirement. So I have no issue with teams coming and saying, here's our tip of the cap. Here's a little something for you. Here's a little something for your charity. Now let's go kick your butt. Yeah. And that's perfectly fine by me. Um, and again, it only needs to take three to five minutes. It just doesn't need to become the focus of it. And I can tell you right now, the focus of the gifts is all Yankees fans care about right now. You know, my wife came home today and she works with several Yankees fans and they came to her and says, I can't believe the Orioles gave him that gift. That's such a cop out and just not a very good gift. We did a much better job for with Cal Ripken. And I said, Really? I said, what did, Cal, what did they give Cal Ripken that was so good? She's like, well, I didn't ask him. And I said, next time you see them, ask them what they give, because I guarantee they will not know the answer. Can we talk about the gifts for just a second? Sure. Because uh, it's important to you. I feel, <laughs> I feel like we, we, need, we demand information here. Um, you know, Derek Jeter got a lot of things. You got crabs. You got a big crab mallet. <laughs> Derek Jeter definitely got crabs. <laughs> hey, when you stop into Baltimore, you get crabs. That's yeah. just how it works. Well, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's perfect because if Derek Jeter has given crabs to, you know, the 20 women that are the hottest women in the world, it's appropriate that Derek Jeter got crabs in Baltimore. So, you know, he, he also got a, a captain's hat. You know, ha, ha, ha. He's a captain. I want to know what is her name. The Navy captain? No, the first person that gets to wear the, the captain hat. <laughs> well, I can tell you this much. As soon as it comes out on iCloud, I'll let you know when it comes out, okay? <laughs> I appreciate that. So uh, Derek Jeter was was celebrated at Canyon Yards, a pregame ceremony, all that kind of good stuff. I was there. You were at home. Did, was any of that on the broadcast? Um, I actually came into it late, but I saw the – actually, I think the coolest moment was bringing the flag in with the parachuters. That was pretty awesome. That was pretty cool. And either I missed it or that was a surprise. I probably just missed it. But it was a surprise to me when we were there oh, in the stadium. I, I, I think it was a total surprise, but I thought that was absolutely an awesome display at night of draping the flag coming right into the stadium. I was like, that's 
awesome. It I was. Mean, that's probably cool. one of the coolest things I've ever seen at Camden Yards. Well, it was funny because uh, you know their plane flew by really low, and I was like, "Well, that's weird. What kind of like you know, it was a C one thirty? What is that? Yeah. And it's really low." And I, I figured it was just part of the Star yeah, Spangled Spectacular right. or whatever. Sure. Uh, but yeah, so that was a that was a really nice surprise. I I I thought that was cool. Yeah. Um. So I, I, like I said, I was there. I was kind of disappointed that I, I didn't get to experience the ESPN broadcast because I'm always curious as to how, you know, the Orioles are treated by the national media. Well, let me give you a surmise of Please. what exactly happened. So, um, Jake, there's John Crook. Oh, God. Do okay. we want to cover him at all? Sure. Let's do it. Oh, you yeah, I understand that there's chicken wings and, you know, you got to go there and swing the bat in order to put in the ball on the field. You you really value him as a journalist. Yes, I, exactly. I, I gotcha. Um, the fact that he has analyst in his LinkedIn profile absolutely you know infuriates me. There's no word of analyst in there. It should just be the stocky the, old man that used to play baseball and turned his baseball helmet around backwards during the nineteen um, ninety three All Star game. That the, should be it. The ist is just a bonus. Go ahead. Yeah. And then there's Kurt Schilling. And Kurt Schilling, what? fresh off of recovery, fresh off recovery, um, you know, just a breath of fresh air. When he first started, I was just like, eh, he's going to give a Yankee spin to it because it's that Boston, New York. But he quickly turned it around and talked about his experience is in Baltimore, talked about his, how his wife was from the area, talked about how it was great to see, you know, when Camden Yards first opened, this stadium constantly packed. Saying that, you know, he really wished that he would have been part of this Baltimore organization in the early 90s. And that he, when he was up here in 88, 89, he's like, I'm going to be part of this team and I'm going to go to a brand new stadium and this is going to be amazing. And then to get traded over to Houston, it's just a dagger basically for both him and his wife. And he's just talking about how great Orioles fans are. And he also talked, you know, about how Buck Walter is one of the greatest managers, even though he's only with them for one year, how he's one of the greatest managers because he just sees things that he had never seen before. And uh, just a, an amazing intellectual baseball mind. And again, this is all stuff that we as Baltimore fans know, but it's really nice to let other people know. And it's also nice to hear for 30 plus minutes on ESPN and no Yankees talk. I mean, there was Yankees talk at the beginning of it with the homage to Jeter. But as the game continually progressed, it was Orioles talk, Orioles talk, Orioles talk. And even John Krug didn't go on and root against the Orioles as the game progressed like he had done earlier this season. So I thought it was a really great broadcast by ESPN. And I know there's going to be people that yell at me for that, but I thought ESPN did a really good job of recognizing how good the Orioles are playing right now. Was it really good, or was your bar of expectations so low that they could have slithered over it? No, I think they did a really good job of basically saying, you know, this is a really good Orioles team. I'm it was very similar to, you know, a playoff when Ripken was doing the playoffs for the Orioles of, you know, tip of the cap to the Orioles, but I'm not going to be a homer like Hall Carrollson, but I'm going to recognize what is good on this team and what's not, not good on this team. Um, very complimentary too of pitch selections. Um, Schilling was in terms of all our pitchers as well. And just saying this is a team that knows how to pitch. And that's a good, good thing to hear from Kurt Schilling. Absolutely. Uh, another question for you. And again, I feel like I'm peppering you here, but I just, I missed out on all this. Um, at the ballpark, it felt like I was in, you know, enemy territory. 43,000 and change were at the, at the park. How did the, the percentage seem? Was it like, you know, 65, 35? Was it, you know, 60, 40? What, what was it as far as, at least from your viewing? 
of the uh, the home field advantage. I mean, you really, I couldn't really tell a percentage, but I really didn't hear too many let's go Yankees chants. And maybe they were there last night, but I didn't hear much of it. I thought the Orioles fans were really good last night in terms of they knew when to get loud at the right moments. So I thought it was a very well-educated crowd of, okay, this is the time where I need to get loud in order to support my team. And um, I really have no issues with you know people coming out if they're going to pay the money and support their team. But Orioles fans need to know when to tell them to shut up. Yeah, being there, see, I got the complete opposite mm, feeling. Okay. I, and it may have just been I was in a hotbed of Yankee activity, but they were everywhere. Northern Virginia, loud. okay. <laughs> And, you know, they, they were, uh, you know, they were there to cheer on their team. And, and, you know, some, some of it I'm, I'm okay with. Again, I, I feel like there were a lot of local Yankee fans. No, I'm sorry, like legit New York, New Jersey Yankee okay. fans who drove down to see Derek Jeter in, you know, one of his last appearances. Because again, we, we've talked about on, on people do that. And again, this was a great weekend for them. They could come down, stay at the Inner Harbor, watch the page, watch the Star Spangled Banner thing at Fort McHenry, and then go to a baseball game that was supposed to be on Sunday night afternoon but have to go back and say we're going to stake a whole weekend of it and take maybe monday off as well i make almost a three or four day weekend out of it i mean it was a perfect opportunity for people who come in from out of town experience baltimore and i guess root for the yankees yeah but i so i i felt you know out outnumbered and outgunned at times and uh you know i tweeted this out in possibly not my my best finest moment but i tweeted out oh my god the crowds become 2003 again because when, when did that happen in the ninth. Oh, yes. Ninth inning rolls around. This is a tie ball game. McCann hits a home run off of our best reliever. It's now two to one. Whoa, Yankees. Hold up a second. Can we really say that Darren O'Day is our best reliever? Oh, okay. Can, can I at least have the flourish of the dramatics there? I'm, I'm not saying that Darren O'Day is not one of our best relievers, but Andrew Miller in that game was absolutely filthy. I stand corrected. Anyway, he hits his home run off the guy that should have been able to get him out. And, you know, it, it was just as if it was going to script of 2003. You know, this is the way it happens. I meant to felt, feel miserable in my own park. These cretins that have been making me uh, uncomfortable all game are going to get their way. They're going to be so smug as they walk out. It won't even matter that they're in third place. I came here to watch the Orioles okay. win. And you did post on Twitter saying, and it's 2003 in the stands. Fantastic. Meanwhile, me at home. I'm posting, I remember being down a run in the 11th earlier this series as well. Yeah. Two different perspectives. And I got to tell you, you were right and I was wrong. What was that? You, yeah, you were, you were right. I was wrong. I, and copy save. I, I apologize to you, Scott. And I also apologize to the Orioles. I actually blogged about this earlier today. I should have had more faith in this team. I really, really should not have allowed myself to get so negative. Um, I wonder though, if that, if that, came from my experience of being in the ballpark rather than being able to watch I think it. so. Uh, you know, somewhat more objectively uh, from the broadcast. It was a lot more emotional, you know, at the game than it was you on the couch. You had an evil taint surrounding you, and um, there really was no way that you are going to get past that evil taint. Please don't call that my wife that. That's terrible. Well, what can I say? She's got it. Yeah. She's uh, seen three winning ball games this season. Good for her. That's not good. I can't believe she's coming to the playoffs with us. Um <laughs> But I have also posted as soon as, you know, the Orioles came back and tied the game. I said, this team is amazing. Soak it up, Baltimore. You may never see a team like this again for a long time. I think Baltimore, again, we need to give from perspective here. The Orioles haven't won a division since 1997. Cody Colston 
who is the young buck himself, basically said, you know, there are high school seniors out there that have never seen the Orioles win a division. I think we need to put that in perspective of for 18 years, people have not seen a division series or division champion in this town. That's a huge issue. And to get that pennant this week at home, this town is going to explode when that happens. I certainly hope so. Uh, it's two, uh, Monday night. You and I are watching the baseball game. It's not a packed house. Have you seen the uh, ticket situation for uh, for Wednesday? No. Tell me all about it. The whole lower bowl is taken up. Okay. So you think at this point people are basically just betting on when they're going to clinch? Yes. All right. I think people are betting on when they're going to clinch. I think that this Monday game, it's going to be a little slow. I don't think anyone thought that they could clinch on Monday. But I think Tuesday, if, if the Orioles go on and win, they're winning right now 5-2. to two. If the Orioles go on and win tonight, I think Tuesday is going to be fully packed. And I think Wednesday is going to be fully packed as well. And I think we'll also see a fully packed stadium throughout the Red Sox series, too, because it'll be the last home series. I think we're going to be seeing some, I don't think it'll be sellouts, but I think we're going to be seeing some 35-plus crowds. I think we're going to see some magic in the stadium for the rest of this week. All right. I, I am all about that. Um, well, you know, speaking about some stuff that's been happening this week, Jake, let's go into my favorite segment, the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's right, Jake. It's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Now, Jake, I, I see a note here. You got an issue. We we have a problem. We've got a problem. Yes, we were uh, we were called out this week on the twitters, and well, this person was right. Now we we dealt with this person in the twat. This is Chris Maurer at again Maurer FTW. Why does he have to make so many good points? I don't know. But he tweeted People out, that listen to us are not supposed to make really good points. He tweeted out to us, and I didn't write down the exact thing, so I'm going to paraphrase a tweet. This is awful. This yeah. is the kind of professionalism yeah, you can get from bravo. me. Yeah. But, but he said, basically, look, you had a show all about, hey, let's be positive, uh, Birdland. And then you went to your uh, Good and Bad and the Ugly to end the show where you have one good nugget and two negative nuggets. That doesn't even make sense, man. To be fair, it does make sense for the Orioles previous to 2012 where we had like a 300 winning percentage. But now that we have, you know, a 600 winning percentage, we have to flop it in a different fashion. I, I, I think we have to admit when we're wrong. Yeah. I think this is a good point. I, I think that focusing on, on bad and ugly when things are going so well is, is it's insufficient. So let's make a minor adjustment this week and uh, let's see what we can come up with. So we? we're just going to go with this and see what happens? Hey. Let's roll the dice. Okay, let's roll the dice. Can I go with my good for the week? Go for it. My good for the week, and you stole my thunder? How could you? Andrew Miller. Andrew Miller has been so good. Filthy. And and we talked about, you know, did we give up too much to get him? You know, we gave up on Eduardo Rodriguez. You know, how... how, Who's apparently did amazing in double A. Hey, how wise a choice was that? We won't know. Until his career becomes whatever it will become, we don't know. Oh, come on. How many times have we heard a player get really good in double A and we never see him? That happens all the time. Here's what I know about what's happened in the last seven days with Andrew Miller. He's appeared in three games, pitched three full innings. He has eight strikeouts against no walks. Phil Fee. Andrew Miller has become a weapon in that bullpen that is desperately needed. And frankly, a playoff team 
needs a tool like Andrew Miller. I, I could not be more thrilled with what I saw from him this week. You know what a playoff team needs? Ryan Flaherty, number three. Orioles Bastics, this is for you. 474 Woba this week, 209 weighted runs created plus and 22 player appearances. Without Ryan Flaherty, that Boston series could have been completely different with J.J. Hardy being out of the lineup. Ryan Flaherty is the reason we won so many games this week. Flying Flaherty, you complete me. <laughs> I, I think that this is a perfect example of this is what Ryan Flaherty's for. He's not an everyday player, but he's a really good backup. He's super, a really yeah, super good super utility player. player. Yeah. yeah, the kind that can fill in well. He should have been what he's a, basically a better version of Robert Indino. Yes, it's oh, as simple as that. Absolutely, and there's value there. And he's even good against the Red Sox. So that's a good sign. <laughs> All right, let's go to it. This is my bad for the week. I got to go with Joe uh, Joe Saunders. Oh. I have all this emotional baggage of, you know, Elimination Joe, and he was so good for us. And look, I get all Wild that. Wild card Joe? Yeah, but uh, look, let's just, let's let's go to the, uh, let's go to the tail of the tape this particular okay. week for him. <laughs> In a third of an inning pitched, he gave up three hits, five earned runs, a home run, he walked two guys, and look, this this stat doesn't really much matter, but can I give you his ERA? Sure. It's 135. Yeah. No, no, not 1.35. 135. Yeah. We went to that inning up 10 to 1. And we had to bring in our closer to finish the game out. That's that's a bad sign. So, um, Joe Saunders, it was nice knowing you. Um, <laughs> actually, the funniest part about Joe Saunders was the previous weekend, I thought, where he came in and he, for a, a batter and he threw an intentional walk and then he promptly walked off the mound. <laughs> I I'm just, done here. Yeah, it was like, all right, got my intention to walk in. I'm done for my job. It's like, really, Buck? Really? That is the epitome of getting your work in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, my bad actually comes back to someone in the bullpen as well, and it's Brad Bar- Brock. Brad Brock. Broad, as the uh, Baltimore Brad Brock. Yeah, say. and he's slowly making me question whether he's worth a playoff spot or not. He's seen a significant reduction in his strikeouts per nine. He's gone from 7.8 to 5.4, which is a concern for me because that's really what he is. He's a strikeout reliever he's got nothing better to go about it so it really raises the question for me as he continues to be that way is kevin gossman gonna be the one to replace him as a better strikeout bullpen pitcher i think it's a possibility i still think buck will keep him because he likes his work but um brock brock concerns me lately no i i i totally see where you're coming with this now he pitched three uh three innings he gave up an earned run it's just that everything is so important now yeah. and everything is magnified and i think just as, as you've said you know we need to be concerned about him on the playoff roster because everything and again matter. i'm not worried about runs and i'm not worried about really hits i'm just worried about what he is as a strikeout bullpen arm and um he just doesn't strike me as that player anymore like he was earlier this season all right uh, hey we're gonna do it because it, we're gonna go by the format can i go to my ugly yep all right my ugly for this week is Jonathan Scope. Jonathan Scope, and and there are so many ways that you can say it, but let me try to articulate it if I could. You're worse than Warren Flaherty? That is is one way of doing it. Uh, Derek Jeter is in a horrific 0-for-24 slump that has been just greatly um, publicized during the whole celebration of, of, of Jeter. By the way, nice job with like the Ray 004 respect thing that was really nicely done that was almost creative that was like baltimore on's creative i wouldn't go that far it, it wasn't a it wasn't a sam and allen special but it was fun to tweet sam and allen special Ooh. anyway jonathan scope is only one hit better than that he was one for 24 this week and that is 
That is gross. When you look at the number of at-bats that the players got this week, he ranks right up there in the leaders, and he was miserable. With the one single hit, we just can't have that. We can't have an entire position disappear offensively in the playoffs. How many strikeouts did he have? Do you have, you have that number over there? Um, I don't have it because the numbers have flopped over since I took the uh, stats earlier. But looking at it I, now, it looks like four okay. in the last seven days. Yeah, I think if I remember looking correctly, for the past 14 days, he has like a 35% K percentage, which, again, for everyone that wants to criticize Chris Davis for the past month, um, that's right there as bad as Chris Davis has been at the plate in terms of striking out. So Jonathan Scope needs to get it together over the next two weeks because um, he's looking ugly at the plate right now. All right, who do you have? Uh, Jake, I've got Nick Markakis, who's been absolutely miserable this week and throughout September. I'm going to give you September's numbers. He has a 197 Woba and a 16 weighted runs created plus in September. He has to turn it around or else the Orioles are going to sink in October. Simple as that. You cannot have your leadoff hitter doing that poorly simple as that no i think you're spot on all right let's do this we've done good and bad and the ugly let's end on a high note scott i want to go beyond good i want to go to awesome awesome oh we should have had like a sound effect yeah should have preparation Mm -hmm. not our thing no all right my awesome for this week is alejandro diaza he has really been something to watch this this week not only because he's actually producing but he's actually producing from left field which has been, outside of Nelson Cruz, a complete waste. Diaza had a game in which he had two triples. This week alone, he's had two triples, two doubles, two home runs. He's driven in six runs. He's walked three times. He's stolen a base. He's everything we hoped we would get out of left field, and again, couldn't happen at a better time. He's 10 for 26 since coming to the Orioles, which is absolutely unbelievable. There so. were, and I don't know if it's still the case, but there was an eight-game period where he had hit in every game that yeah. he appeared in as an Oriole. I mean, he's got everything working on all cylinders. Yeah, and again, the ability to show speed on the base paths, too, is really important. Um, it's almost a limiting your favorite player from the lineup, David Lowe. I don't think we're going to see David Lowe pretty much for the rest of the season if Diaz keeps playing the way he does. Oh, I know you're disappointed. Womp, womp. One last thing about Diaza, still under club control next year. Yep, big deal. Um, maybe Nick Marquez is um cash <laughs> <for a placement. laughs> Okay. Um, my awesome for the week is going to go to the swan song that was Sunday night. You know that was a game that the Orioles did not need to win, and I know that hurts you, Jake. But the Orioles did not need to win that game. The Orioles easily could have won that game, split the series, and been in great contention for you know winning the american league east this is not a situation where it's a must-win game but it was a must-win game for the yankees to see the yankees go up in the ninth inning and then for them to lose it in the bottom of the ninth inning on national television on Derek jeter's final night in sunday baseball is the perfect cherry on a cupcake for this entire season it is perfect karma of the amount of times that the orioles have lost the yankees on a walk-off on espn or on you know Fox and just like well freak it's dark magic all over again. No Baltimore, this was Birdland magic. This was Orioles magic, and we should embrace it right now and just realize that we are living in a golden time right now, and good things are coming to us. And let's hope that good things continue into the cold nights of October. Well said. I almost don't want to talk anymore. Wow, the golden nights of October. But Jake, I am going to have you talk, and you're going to blow the save this week. <sighs> 
All right. Uh, so we had a lot of fun earlier this week. Uh, we talked to Buster Only. Big professional, thanks. yeah. <laughs> Not so much. Big thanks to our friends at the Baltimore Sports Report and the Baltimore Sports Report Network for helping us make that happen. Uh, incredibly thankful to those guys. We have actually something else that's kind of exciting that's coming up uh, tomorrow. Ooh. Um, we've actually been able to uh, get access to the press uh, the press box. So what we will be in. <laughs> Well, Scotty, they let me in. Oh, that makes sense, actually. <laughs> so I'm going to actually uh, sit there and, and try to not act like a hack and uh, be there possibly for the game in which the Orioles clinch the, the division. All right, so three rules. Number one, there's no cheering in the press box. So if the Orioles clinch the division, you can't cheer in the press box. I'm going to be biting my fist all night. Go on. Number two, you are going to have to do constant updates on on the Twitter and also on our blog of things that are going on in the press box and just keep a constant note and also take many pictures. All right. I can do that. And number three, by the end of the night, I want to see a picture of you in Rockabaco arm wrestling. I don't think that's very likely. It's going to be likely, but someone's going to have to take that, like that, you know, pictures like that go like 30 in one second because it's going to be over instantaneously. Have you seen these arms? This is not a gun. This is, this is not, this is not even an arrow. You know what that looks like? That looks like a chicken wing. Jeez. So that's exciting for us. Again, we have to thank our friends at Baltimore Sports Report for making it happen for us. Uh, we hope to be able to continue to do this next season um, and be able to bring you guys a little something that we hadn't been able to uh, to provide before. So uh, take a look tomorrow night on Tuesday as, uh, as I will be live tweeting the game from a little bit better venue from my couch. Uh, let us know what you'd like to to hear to see and we'll try to make it happen and again if you see some seats in the sections ahead of it just try to move down i'm sure the ushers will let you i'll do that there'll be no problem just pop right out of the press box and be like i'm gonna get a little bit closer well scott the very end of the season is upon us i think at this point we can do nothing else than to ride out this great wave and look forward to some great october baseball all right jake with that i've got nothing else baltimore and beyond a do a do good night baltimore should be a good week. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.